Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. Good morning. It's Tuesday, the 11th of October, 2022. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. If you haven't done so already, we would love for you to share the name of your pastor with us at MyFaithRadio.com so that we can encourage them. It's Pastor Appreciation Month, and we want to show our appreciation for your pastor. So in order to help us do that, we need you to log on to MyFaithRadio.com and share um, you know, the name of your pastor and something you appreciate about them so that we can send them a personal note of appreciation for their service to the Lord and the way they're building up the kingdom, the way they're discipling um, believers like you. So MyFaithRadio.com, Pastor Appreciation, uh, help us uh, appreciate pastors during this month. Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Matthew chapter 5, another um, what I will describe as hard teaching from Jesus. So Matthew chapter 5, again, we're in the Sermon on the Mount which is Matthew 5 through 7. So Jesus is speaking here and he says, verses 43 and 44, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Now again, um, we're talking here about Jesus asserting authority above the law of Moses. He's saying, you know, you've heard that the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But Jesus then sets himself as an authority above the law of Moses and establishes himself as the very source of the prophets. You know, but I say to you, Jesus, as we know, is the word made flesh to dwell among us, and he's establishing what it looks like to live on earth as if in heaven, what it looks like to represent him in the world, what it looks like to be like Christ. Yes, loving neighbor, absolutely. But a righteousness beyond that, a law above the law, a law of love, a love for enemies, prayers, ardent prayers, real prayers, substantive prayers for those who persecute you. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. These commands presume two things. We are going to have enemies and we are going to be persecuted. Those are assumptions, or in Jesus's case, those are prophetic declarations about the experience that his people are going to have in the world. You will have troubles. You will have enemies. Why? Because Jesus has an enemy. People will persecute you. Why? Because you belong to Jesus, and they persecuted him unto death. So, this morning, as we consider these commands of Jesus to not only love our neighbors, but to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us, I'm going to challenge us to consider who makes our list of enemies. Who are your enemies in the neighborhood, 
or down the street or across the political divide? Or who are your enemies in your workplace or in your industry or among your global competitors? Who are your enemies within your own family or in the contest over the hearts and minds of your children or grandchildren? Who are your enemies in the marketplace of ideas today or in what we tend to call the culture wars? How about frenemies? Do you have enemies among those who claim to be your friends? I mean, Jesus did. In fact, Jesus had people who proved to be enemies among his most intimate of friends. I mean, John says in his gospel that Jesus, he who came to his own, Jesus who came to his own, his own people rejected him. Jesus had enemies. You and I were once among them. But he loved us. God demonstrates his love for us in this while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies of God. Jesus died for us. So when Jesus tells us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us, he's not telling us to do something that he was not willing to do himself. I'm thinking here of the prayer on the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. When was the last time we prayed like that for people doing active harm to us? And how are we demonstrating our love for those who are sinning against us in life right now? Yes, I know this is a hard teaching. But this is the very righteousness not only called forth by Christ, but imputed to those who are in Christ Jesus which means that those who are in Christ and those in whom Christ resides, we can and are called to live out these commands in the world that God so loves. So today, let us love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. Nick Pitts is going to join us next. We're going to survey a number of headlines from the day, including, like, what are you stuck to? And would you would you glue yourself to anything in the world hmm yeah we're going to talk about that next here on mornings with carmen Nick Pitts is back. He's a fellow at the Institute for Global Engagement. You should check out thebriefing.net. Hey, good morning, Nick. Hey, Carmen. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Stuck on you. Stuck on you. Or stuck by glue on a Picasso. What am I talking about? (laughs) Yeah, you're not talking about the, uh, what is it, the Sugar Land song, Stuck (laughs) on You. You're talking about uh, what's happening uh, across the world, but specifically in Austria, you've got a group of individuals, or actually in Melbourne, sorry about that, a group of individuals that have decided to glue themselves to a Picasso <laughs> painting in protest for climate chaos. And so this is a growing trend that we're seeing. You, you've got even last, like this time last week, at Monday Night Football, you had a uh, 
a climate change protester stormed the field uh, of the Rams football game, and but uh, he was trucked and hit very hard by uh, Mr. Bobby Wagner. Um, and then you had from back in Minnesota during uh, during the playoff playoffs last year for the Timberwolves. You had individuals that were gluing themselves to the court, trying to make a response um, and show and highlight their particular issue by causing a disruption. So Extinction Rebellion is the name of uh, of this effort. And first of all, I, I think Extinction Rebellion is not a bad idea. Like, right, we should rebel against the idea of becoming extinct. But I feel like um, as gospel-oriented people, there is uh, a better way for us to demonstrate um, how people can not become quote unquote extinct by you know by valuing life and celebrating life and advocating for life and certainly um, you know helping people connect with eternity uh, and, oh, and yeah. bind themselves right bind themselves to uh, to the beauty and the truth of the gospel. Yeah, whenever I think about protests, I'm always cognizant of what I, what's probably the most monumental example, one of the most significant protesters of our time, which was Martin Luther King, right? Um, we all know the marches that he took, but what often gets um, undersold is the reality that King understood the power of a protest. A protest will shine a light on a problem, but just because you shine a light on a problem doesn't mean it brings about a solution. So one of the brilliant strategies that King would do is he, he really did steward his presence and steward the idea of protesting. And he only went to areas where he knew that there were individuals and organizations that could get at the seats of power or had seats at, around the table to bring about a solution. So that when King selectively went to these particular cities, whether it was Montgomery, whether it was Memphis, what have you, whenever he went to these cities, these cities already had people on the ground that were there to be able to steward all that light that got shined in that moment so that they were ready to be at the seat and to be at the table so that they could bring about the change. Because protests really just highlight problems. They don't bring about solutions. And what King did so well is he didn't just glue himself to a Picasso, but rather he was at the seat of the table or had people at the seat of the table to bring about a solution. Mm. I love that. I love that. Um, he's a good example also of a willingness to, you know, to go to jail and, um, oh, yeah. and then, you know, and then right from there. I think about when I think about all of the letters of the New Testament that are penned in prison or in jail, um, you know, it, that letter from a Birmingham jail feels all the more um, powerful in, in, light, in light of the gospel and in light of what we, uh, what we know um, from prisoners who have written from uh, from those places as well. All right. Hey, Nick, let's take a very brief pause. When we come back, um, can you tell us what's going on with PayPal? Are they really fining people for misinformation? Because that seems like that would be um, something we would need to know about the fine print. We're going to continue Ooh, okay. our conversation here with Nick Pitts in just a moment. He's a fellow at the Institute for Global Engagement. And one of the things you should definitely check out is thebriefing.net. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, 
Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. You got me singing like amen. All right, we don't often think about um, the fine print, those uh, those very long, very, very tiny print, um, you know, agreement things that we just click the box and we just agree to without even reading. But um, PayPal mistakenly, now mistakenly, we're going to start by saying that, uh, posted some language um, in its policies that uh nick pitts is going to tell us about now what 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 happened yeah just an absolute just uh just very frustrating but also very revealing what's happened over at paypal yeah this is evidence that there's people sitting at keyboards typing stuff into those um published online policies with no supervision Yeah, we you you kind of get the information. You kind of get the idea. It gives us a great illustration of a looming earthquake, right? There's there's a lot of tremors that are happening beneath, and that are causing fraction and division potentially to just break open within our country. And this is one of those instances where it's just a little tremor that happened underneath, but now has been exposed. And thankfully, we've we've seen a backtracking from PayPal because they they had a published policy that would have fined users twenty five hundred dollars for quote spreading misinformation and they claimed though that it had gone out in air air now we know misinformation we've it's been one of those suitcase words that has a variety of meanings that people often don't want to unpack and specifically say what is what is and what is not misinformation but this has caused this has caused some uh, significant uproar to the extent that even their former ceo has come out to criticize the published to come out to criticize this published um, policy that's now since been backtracked but again it's just another one of those cultural war battles that seems to be uh, rising up again bringing politics again bringing all of this that a company would think that they could take money from you without your acknowledgement for something as nebulous as misinformation so let me get this straight um paypal has now said that it was misinformation published in their policy and that the misinformation that was published was about publishing misinformation. Oh, like a- I feel like as a client, I could now find PayPal because they published misinformation. <laughs> yeah, you. Uh, uh, and then this is when every listener needs to take another uh, drink of coffee right now to try to wrap their mind around what's happening. <laughs> oh, wait, here. what Carmen is thinking? Yes, well, Carmen yeah. had that thought at like four in the morning, so we'll let that go. Um, <laughs> now, let me a- let me ask this question: How long? How long would you sit in a drive-through? One of the things I don't like about drive-throughs is they no longer have that like escape route to the right. They like now there's like a curb there. Like once you're in a drive-through, pretty much you're in the drive-through. There's no escaping the drive-through. And there's some drive-throughs that are longer than others. In my experience, Panera has the longest of drive-throughs in terms of the wait time. But Starbucks can sometimes that wait can be fairly long, particularly if people are ordering like lots of fancy beverages. Um, but statistically, who has the slowest drive-through, and is it worth waiting for? 
Yeah, it is. It's absolutely fascinating. There is a there's a new study out that's that's shedding, uh, causing some shade to be thrown on our beloved chicken restaurant, Chick Fil A. Um, and <laughs> no! I, as someone that just had Chick Fil A last night, and someone that is probably prepared to eat Chick Fil A tonight because my wife's going to a small group Bible study, I'm um, I'm always particularly concerned by this. <laughs> All right, so Chick Fil A has a uh, slow drive through time. However, it has really good food, so it's like worth really the wait. Good food, really good service. Like we, they they turn it into a. It's a meme now. Essentially, it's gone. It's this uh, notion <laughs> it's my that pleasure. Chick-fil-A just always goes above and beyond. So whether you're you need extra, whether you need extra sauces, whether you need somebody to help you fix your tire, they're willing to chase you down and they're willing to help you out. And so, yeah, it does cause a little bit of a longer wait time. Um, but they're also dealing with a significant number of customers. Probably it's one of the top three, uh, top three most popular fast food restaurants, despite having one of the fewest number of chains and, and not being open seven days a week, being closed on Sunday. Despite this, we continue, people continue to clamor for the holy chicken, and uh, it is absolutely <laughs> worth it because it is uh, Chick-fil-A sauce is a reminder of God's goodness and graciousness in this broken, heart, heart-rending world. All right, you and I are uh, heirs, heir and heiress of the kingdom of heaven, like real, we are real heirs, um, fellow heirs with Christ. Like that's the declaration of God. There's like a hundred Bible verses related to you and I being heirs to the kingdom. But there's a fake heiress out there that people should know about. What's going on in this story? Have you seen, have you watched uh, Inventing Anna? It is absolutely incredible. It's a Netflix drama, and now, and now, the, but it's the person, true. Oh like, yeah, the, the, she's the real. Oh yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, I I will frequently, my wife and I will frequently pretend to be her and imitate her accent uh, whenever we get frustrated with one another to try to uh, uh, rib each other uh, and bring a little bit of comedy into it. It is absolutely enthralling. Highly recommend watching the docuseries uh, on Netflix. But now what we're finding out is um, she is attempting uh, to stay in New York and uh, get away from the deportation that uh, court has now put on her. She's been in jail for three plus years. She's finally getting out of jail now after swindling uh, hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars from individuals and companies uh, during the during that time before she was eventually caught. But she's trying to attempt to moving away from the U.S. and back into Germany so that she can uh, continue to raise her voice towards criminal justice reforms. But my goodness, she is she is a captivating individual that has swindled a lot of people out of a lot of money. And we'll see if she can somehow persuade her way to court to keep her from being deported. All right, for those of you uh, not up to speed on this, um, there's a Netflix docu-series called Inventing Anna. Uh, and here's the, um, here's the sub. Audacious entrepreneur or con artist, a journalist chases down the story of Anna Delvey, who convinced New York's elite she was a German heiress. Um, and as Nick Pitts has said, it is, wow, it is a wild ride. Um, let's, uh, let's close with a conversation about this, this horrific event that unfolded in Thailand, these preschoolers massacred. Um, I'm going to lift up or pull, seek to pull this thread. I mean, it's at these points in time when, you know, like faith really matters and the public demonstration of faith related to this has been an interesting exercise in sort of cross-cultural study. 
just absolutely tragic. An individual that um, had uh, an ex-police officer had been uh, uh, essentially uh, went to go pick up his child or go find his child at a preschool and ends up shooting up the preschool in Thailand in the worst crime spree ever. But what is often not documented is Thailand is a very dark part of the world for Christians. There's just not a strong faith presence there. Um, I was in I was actually in Bangkok a couple of years ago, right before the pandemic. But what you find is, is, is there's a lot of darkness. But my goodness, as we know to be true in John one, um, the darkness cannot overcome the light. And there is an emerging and growing faith presence there. And it is beginning to work. It's beginning to shine a light and be a source of hope in just this absolute tragedy that occurred last week. Mm. Good opportunity for us to, um, you know, shine light and speak hope and sit with those who are suffering um, in the darkness of loss. And also, you know, just recognizing that ideas matter and the gospel matters. And not everyone um, has yet heard of the hope uh, that is offered in Jesus Christ. And so let's be people who shine brightly the light of the gospel today, always and in all ways. Nick, um, thank you for being so bright and shiny and joining us again today. We appreciate it as always. So good to be with you, Carmen. Hey, and, um, you know, on the baseball front, I know that there are things happening on the baseball front. I just didn't have time to talk about it today. Well, you know, the, the Atlanta Braves are continuing to be Atlanta Braves and continuing to dominate the Texas Rangers down here. We're not we don't even know baseball when it comes to October. It's been so long <laughs> since we've been contending for anything. So let's talk about football. How about it? <laughs> okay. Hey, bless you, my brother. Oh, so good to be with you. You too. That's Nick Pitts. You can find him at the Institute for Global Engagement. Check out thebriefing.net. We'll be right back. So I grab this sandwich, take a bite, put it back down on the tree. Yeah, there ain't no doubt I love this place. God bless you, Chick-fil-A. Um, All right, so uh, Paul continues to crush it with the music, Chick-fil-A song. Uh, Jessica from Atlanta says, I love it. She's also reporting that she's listening on the app, and there was something weird that happened during our conversation with Nick Pitts. So if you're listening on the app, we are uh, now aware that you had a strange experience of things interrupting uh, that interview. And so we are on it. The powers of B will be notified, and we will seek to remedy that challenge. So thanks for uh, sticking with us through what, may have sounded like multiple voices at the same time. Anti-Semitism is on the rise, not only here in the United States, but around the world. You may have heard in the last, you know, 24, 48, 72 hours about Kanye West. Um, But it's not just Kanye West. It's actually the entire Western world. Um, Anti-Semitism, where the hatred of Jews and the abuse directed toward Jewish people, seems to thrive when... uh, when countries, and in particular when economies, find themselves in crisis. I'm not exactly sure why unrest uh, or hatred towards Jews rises when there's unrest in a culture, but there is a correlation there. There is a correlation there. And so if you haven't stood up lately and said as a Christian, um, anti-Semitism is wrong, 
Um, not only is the hatred of all people wrong, but certainly the hatred of a particular people group, namely the Jews, is wrong. Then let's let's get out there and be saying that. Let's stand in solidarity with our uh, with our Jewish brothers and sisters. Let's be mindful that hey, we are engrafted into into God's chosen people. Like right, <laughs> there's there's a, uh, uh, a a covenant that God has um, with the Jewish people. And um, and we are engrafted into that as Gentile believers. And so anti-Semitism is wrong, um, and we need to stand up and say so, wherever it happens, Instagram, Twitter, um, you know, or uh, across the world. It is, uh, it is on the rise, and it is thriving, and we ought to be people who instead are uh, peacemakers. In the spirit of blessed are the peacemakers, Israel has announced this morning— a historic agreement with Lebanon um, on maritime borders. This ends a decades-long dispute. It's going to ease military tensions between the two countries and potentially provide billions of dollars to Lebanon's collapsing economy. This is a U.S.-brokered deal that will let both countries uh, develop gas fields in the eastern Mediterranean, which obviously will also have the effect of easing tensions related to gas and oil supplies. Luke Moon's going to join us next. We're going to talk about not only what's happening in the Middle East, but around the world. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. The wise men will bow down before the throne. And at his feet, they'll cast their golden crowns. All right, so um, at the Philos Project, which is uh, one of the places that Luke Moon works, um, they have launched a new podcast called The Deep Man. It's dedicated to exploring the underlying religious, ethnic, and identity forces driving the headlines in the Near East and around the world. It's hosted by our friend Robert Nicholson, and so I thought I would uh, tell you about that today. Um, And Luke Moon is going to join us from the Philos Project in just a moment. We're going to lead off with a conversation that maybe I'll just tee up right here. And it is about prizes being awarded by the Nobel Committee. So you know that the Nobel Peace Prizes are being um, uh, being given out right now. And they have awarded the Nobel Peace Prize, specifically the Peace Prize, to a Belarusian human rights advocate, a Russian human rights um, organization, and a Ukrainian human rights organization called the Center for Civil Liberties. Um, the the Russian organization, the human rights uh, organization in Russia that was awarded a Nobel Peace Prize is called Memorial, and it is one of the organizations that President Putin and the Kremlin have actually shut down because of their truth-telling in relationship to the ongoing um, assault of Ukraine by Russia. And so I want to lift that up because peacemaking matters, and being peacemakers matters. And there are places where people are actively advocating for and working toward peace. Um, highlighted the the effort between Israel and Lebanon to um, bring peace via uh, a negotiated maritime border. And you heard me mention there that that's a U.S. brokered deal. That's a years, years, years long process in the making. And sometimes diplomacy takes a long time. And so when we recognize that we're called to be peacemakers and we're called to be people who sow peace, sometimes it takes a really long time. Um, And so if you're thinking to yourself, wow, you know, I've been sowing peace in this one particular relationship for many, many years, you know, you just got to trust that God is going to bring forth the fruit of that faithful sowing. 
And so continue to sow peace, continue to be a person who prays for uh, those who persecute you and blesses enemies, right? Loves enemies in order that peace might come uh, in God's good time as human hearts are softened and human necks are turned. All right, we're also going to look at a situation in China. The Chinese president, Xi Jinping, is preparing to be elected to a third term. Now, how is that possible? Well, um, he had his government abolish term limits. And so um, twice a decade, the Communist Party Congress convenes. And this time it is uh, set to hand Xi Jinping a landmark third term. So it's a closed-door gathering of roughly 370 members of the Communist Party, um, uh, known as the Central Committee. The meeting started on Sunday in Beijing, um, and his supporters want uh, him, want Xi Jinping to be declared during this party congress as, quote, lifelong leader. Um, now, again, it's, it's behind closed doors, and so we don't really know how that is going to play itself out politically but, um, you know, maybe some compromises will um, will be forced. But here's the reality. Uh, in all likelihood, he is he is going to have at least another five year term. Um, so I uh, would assume that that's going on. Remembering that the term limit for the president of China, Xi Jinping, was abolished through a constitutional amendment in 2018. And so that enabled him to seek a third term. Um, let's turn our attention to what is going on in Iran. Uh, if you um, if you hadn't um, heard uh, about not only the protests that are going on there, but um, now uh, now the at least the third death of a young woman. So you know this uh, this particular um, round of protests. I mean, some yes, yeah, some 135, 185 people have been killed since these protests began. But in but specifically, uh, the deaths of three young women um, is is at the center of um, of the conversation. And so I'm trying to click on the link here so that I can pull it up and we can talk about it. Um, So this uh, this all started with the death of uh, a 22 year old woman. Oh, great. Luke Moon is now with us so he can brief us in on what's happening in Iran and bring us up to speed on um, now, not only the 185 people who've been killed in protests, but uh, these specifically these young women. So, good morning, Luke. Good morning, Carmen. Oh hey, my gosh, we, I'm so sorry. It's, it's one okay. Of those, uh, you know, one of those. It's days. technology. It's technology. So we've already covered the uh, uh, the story of the Nobel Peace Prize and the Chinese president seeking a third term that he's likely now to get. So let's turn our attention together to Iran. Tell us what's happening there. Well, the you know the protests keep moving forward i mean that's that's one of the you know one of the interesting things about protests these days is that they seem to die off pretty quickly i don't know it's i think you know it's one of those things that happens with social media being the primary driver of the of the protests and and as a result like the you know as soon as the regime figures out how to kind of protect themselves they hold on but this one seems to continue to have some legs obviously there's you know been a lot of deaths 185 uh there's you know but the protests continue i mean there's been 
I don't know if you saw it, Carmen, the the video of the of the girls' school where the representatives from from the government came to the girls' school and all the girls took off their hijabs and were waving them in the air and and you know very defiant. Um, and I know, and that so one it, guy, sta- that one guy standing there at that podium. I mean, yeah, like, what yeah. is he going to do? What is he going to do? Exactly. Like, what are you going to do? The whole group of girls has taken off their uh, their hijabs. Yeah, it was exactly. stunning. It is. And and I think that's the, I mean, the hope is that we're on the verge of, you know, uh, you know, call it the uh, Iranian, Iranian re, re-revolution, right? You know, it's 1978, been a long time, and there's been, you know, I, I just don't think the Iranian people are as, you know, are as committed to, uh, you know, the Khomeini and the Ayatollah as, as they, you know, we're back in 78 and people are fed up and they're frustrated. Uh, you know, he's not doing well. Uh, the, the sanctions key are continue. Um, you know, the, they, the people are, I mean, the thing is like the, you know, the Iranian people are not, they're not dumb. And, you know, I think they're just kind of at this point, pretty fed up uh, with all that's happening. But, you know, the hope is that it will be able to continue. Because like I said before, one of the challenges is if, you know, look at the revolutions, or not revolutions, but the protests that have taken place in the last couple of years. I mean, you had the, the farmer protest in, in, um, in the Netherlands. You had the trucker protest in Canada. Uh, you have, you know, there's been protests I think in France there was the yellow oh, yeah, vest the tr- protest mm-hmm. during yep. COVID for like, I mean, it was every Saturday for, you know, six months. And it seems that these things don't actually have the capacity to bring down uh, any regime, I mean, or any government. I mean, I, it's really surprising to me how the the, the lack of, I, I can't actually think of currently of a, of a, a popular protest in the last five years that has actually succeeded in its intended goal, um, which is, you know, not particularly optimistic, but, you know, maybe, maybe the Iran protest would be the right, the, the trigger. So um, there have been at least three young women, starting with uh, the 22 year old um, whose, whose death really ignited all of this. Um, and now we have um, a, a woman who is regarded, you know, as quite a quite an internet um, or social media celebrity. This 16-year-old Serena Esmolarzada. I know. See, it has her name has so many. Right. So I'm going to call her Serena. Um, 16-year-old Serena. Uh, the The Washington Post piece today says, "Love to share her life with the whole world." On her video blog, the charismatic teen sang and danced and cooked and did her makeup and celebrated the end of exams. But on September the 22nd, uh, she joined the protest sweeping the country and was beaten to death by Iranian security forces. I mean, ultimately, they threw her off of a five-story building and claimed that she jumped to her own death. Um, She has become very, very quickly the the kind of new face of, um, of the protest, as if these protests in Iran needed... Uh, you know, yet a num- another young female symbol. Um, but, I, you know, I would say that, um, you know, now those who are protesting, they don't just have one or two. They now have um, a growing litany of young women who are literally being martyred 
um, for yeah. this cause. Yeah, there was there was one that was uh, you know she was given her she was beaten to death also um, you know in the video of her singing and you know she was uh, you know one could almost call her a little punk kind of like style going back to the you know like a proper punk like the nineties punk like the punk one yeah that's you know, so that's was, Nika so that was yeah that was sixteen year old Nika yeah who died during protest yeah. last month yeah exactly yeah, yeah. amazing it, you know and and I think people. I mean, the the more of these that happen, and, you know, I think, like I said, the other big factor coming into this would be if if the Ayatollah Khomeini dies, which has been, you know, he's he's not doing well. That's been all the reports is that he's, you know, he had a, he had, um, like a, you know, emergency surgery for his stomach. Um, you know, he is, he's not been meeting with people anymore, um. And so he, you know, if he if he passes away, then you have a really, uh, you know, another kind of flashpoint in a series of flashpoints. You know, the disappointing thing is that the Biden administration has said very little um, publicly in support of of uh, of the protests in Iran, and I think you know the administration could be more vocal. But they're worried about jeopardizing the Iran deal, which is, you know, absurd to me. But nonetheless, that seems to be their, you know, the, the calculation that they're trying to um, hold on to. So if there is regime change, and I know we got to take a quick break, so maybe you answer this after the break. Um, but if there is regime change in Iran, um, who, if anybody, is poised to actually, you know, like lead in a new generation um, in a free Iran. Let's have that conversation next. Luke Moon is here with us from the Philos Project. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of what we do on live radio every day. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you at MyFaithRadio.com. Right now, we're inviting you to share your Faith Radio story. What do you love about Faith Radio? What do you love about Mornings with Carmen? How has this program changed the way you think or the way you live, the way you engage others in the conversations of the day? We really do want to hear from you. Your story could encourage someone else and certainly glorify God. So share what you love about Faith Radio by calling 877-933-2484 and leave us a message today. Again, thanks for listening. You say come to the river. We're continuing our conversation with Luke Moon from the Philos Project. You can also find what he's working on at ProvidenceMag.com. That's Providence Magazine, the intersection of faith and foreign relations. Um, Luke, what, you know, and I know this is speculative, but, you know, if there is regime change in Iran, what or who might be next? Well, I think that's the, I mean, the another major factor here is that it's not like there's this deep bench of, you know, people who can kind of step in to run the country. I mean, one of the, there is the, um, you know, the Shah in exile, and that's, you know, he, he he's, you know, that family still has a lot of, um, you know, popularity, even, I mean, there's a, I mean, it's, mind you, perhaps even at this point, uh, cultural popularity, because there was a, you know, the Shah of Beverly Hills, like, like right, but, um, 
I think the you know it, that's it, it's unclear who can step in to kind of fill the gap because you know it's it's everybody who could is in exile in some other country and doesn't have the infrastructure in the same way that you know the the Ayatollah and the religious authorities do. I mean, they're literally. I mean, the people who are kind of leading the the crackdown against the uh, you know against the women have been the morality police. I mean, there is such a thing as a morality police, and if you uh, you know you, if your job is is to keep morality, you know that you don't want to give that up. I mean, you need a job, or you want a job, or you think that's. I mean, you're not only are you, you know, is it, are you employed that way, but it, you're ideologically committed to that. Right. And so my sense is that, you know, the way this probably works out is the way that, you know, uh, perhaps more, you know, natural rebellions end up working out is that, a, a leader within the country itself is able to kind of rise up and mobilize people um, and and kind of throw off the shackles of oppression. It's not like, you know, the, we haven't had, you know, mass protests that have led to, I mean, this is how the dynasties changed in China, right? Some other person stood up. I mean, it's the, you know, the book of judges. There was a point in which the, you know, the, the oppression and the tyranny becomes too much, and the people, uh, you know, have the the throw off the shackles of oppression. So. Yeah, be praying for believers in Iran in the midst of all of this. Let's pivot our attention briefly, um, Luke, to North Korea. Um, more than just saber rattling, there, right? They've been firing ballistic missiles. Um, there are obviously you know, believers in not only South Korea and Japan, but there are believers in North Korea as well. This is a this is a very tense situation. Um, anything there that, you know, that you want to be sure we have a heads up on? Well, I think that, I mean, the, uh, you know, North Korea has uh, several times recently launched uh, rockets across the island of Japan, uh, yesterday, uh, Kim Jong-un said that, you know, he has enough missiles to wipe out our enemies, you know, and, and uh, you know, one of the things that we have to keep in mind is North Korea has been kind of the, the thorn in the flesh of every administration, I mean, heck, going back to, uh, you know, Clinton and, you know, different countries or different different administrations have have tried to deal with Kim Jong-un in different ways. I mean, you had, um, you know, Trump went and met him. Uh, last week, uh, you had the uh, vice president was, was at the DMZ or the week before. Um, and so you have, and you also now have, there's a new leader in South Korea who's a little bit more, uh, he's not so, he's more hawkish towards, North Korea, uh, Japan is increasingly concerned about, you know, the rise of of China and sees itself as, you know, we're not going to be pushed around by China. That's a long, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those ancient feuds, if you will, uh, that, you know, that's not going to go away uh, anytime soon. 
And, you know, I think as winter is coming, uh, you know, this is the opportunity for Kim Jong-un, who consistently has a hard time feeding his his population uh, to, to, you know, perhaps get some, you know, financial support or, you know, he's, you know, he, you know, makes some deal where he gets a bunch of money so he can, you know, buy food. You know, it, it, it could be in that vein as well, because mm-hmm. that's a consistent thing that happens with, you know, North Korea, you know, says some stuff and launches some missiles. Then the UN comes and says, oh, you know, let's negotiate a peace deal. And then, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, money's on the table and food's on the table and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. it's my, my sense is it's going in that direction. Okay. And, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In, in more critical concerns closer to home, um, it's our understanding that your family has a new four-legged member. We do. We do. Uh-huh. Uh, hence, hence uh, you know, some of the technical difficulties. Yes, on Saturday, we, we picked up, uh, we call him Lord Bruce of Moon Ridge. Uh, we, we have already... Lord, had Lord Bruce of Moon Ridge is, um, yes. is what variety of four-legged creature? Uh, he is a German short-haired pointer. Uh, so a friend that newly, uh, we, we already have one. We picked, we picked up, uh, Margot truffle pig in, um, in, in January. And, you know, we were, we were, we were told that it's, they really do well with a companion. And so we're like, all right, so we planned for the fall once, once school started and things got a little easier in, you know, the post summer, time that we would uh, get get uh, Bruce and so we we picked up Lord Bruce and and he's a mess I mean he's adorable and everything but um, it's he's a puppy you know so yeah, it's everything they, that you know yeah they call it puppy love for a reason and so um, we're we're just delighted with you and for you may Margot truffle pig and Lord Bruce of Moon Ridge uh, yeah have a wonderful day along with you. They Thanks, will. Luke. Thank you. All Thanks, right. You listen to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBert. This is Faith Radio. Never know how a young heart. There's nothing cuter than cute little puppies. Cute little puppies. All right. In addition to there being maybe nothing greater than a cute little puppy, it's actually good for your brain. If you were to um, pet a dog today or cuddle with one, you are going to supercharge your frontal cortex and the part of your brain that oversees how you think and feel is going to light up with delight. So there's something to this dog thing. And in case you're wondering, no, the same thing doesn't happen if you pet a cat. So there you go. Dogs rule. Cats drool. We got another hour of Mornings for Carmen up next. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.